Hello all guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. I'm Austin. I'm a knockout. Watched a lot of wrestling. I'm David. I'm a noob. Haven't watched nearly as much wrestling. And together, Austin and I make the four horsemen. Don't think about it too hard. Hey, you see, we can't make that joke anymore because they finally got a fourth horseman. That's that's one of the things I got to talk about today. Wait, aren't there only three? I thought they, with I thought with name fourth. redacted. I thought with name redacted there were there were three because it's 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 Scott Hall and um um uh Kevin Nash. No, that's and then the it's name redacted. That's the, no, that's the outside. That's the NWO start. The horseman oh. is Flair Anderson, name redacted, and a fourth person I'm gonna mention. Oh, okay. Great start. Confusing the horseman and the NWO. <laughs> hey, I'm the noob, okay? I'm allowed to do it. Yeah, I suppose you are, aren't you? It's thematically relevant. I'm making I'm yeah. keeping our podcast title relevant. Fuck you. Anyway, yes. Um, the episode. Uh we are back in WCW today. And what a monumental episode that uh we are covering. Because we are covering uh Bash at the Beach 1996. If you know, you know. If you don't know, that is the that is the uh, episode where the third man of the of Hall Nash, the trio, the birth of the New World Order, the NWO is right here on this pay per view. Okay, dope. Um, <laughs> I. I also just realized something. I know this is far from the last WCW episode we're going to watch, um, but I do find it funny that for as much of a meme as storylines culminating at SummerSlam is for us, this is like the WCW version of story culminating at SummerSlam. You see, it would be, but this isn't our last episode in WCW. Yeah, I know. Look, okay, so it, it doesn't. Count. It's not a perfect. It's not a perfect match. This, this, this is like this is the most remarkable. If I if I had to guess, it's like the most single remarkable like episode of this arc that we're gonna do. So I'm still it counting. It definitely is. I have there's some other developments I want to show off before we move on to non WCW things. Oh, that's why that's why we're not ending here. But yes, this is like this is the the peak. Right here. Yeah, so I, I'm willing to call this a call. Like, like I wouldn't call our last episode. I wouldn't call the last episode of Summer of Punk a culmination when fucking mm-hmm. Diesel shows up for no reason. Speaking hey, of fair. Kevin Nash, I would not call that the culmination. Uh, I would, I would call, uh, I would call the the Chicago, uh, the Chicago match, uh, the culmination. That's fair. So, uh, WCW. Last time we were here. Uh, Kevin Nash debuted, and suddenly the Scott Hall is not alone in invading mm-hmm. WCW. Um, so, what this is a pay per view, and so how I will describe uh, the stuff that came before, how it's kind of fill you in on the last three weeks of TV plus the last pay per view, the Great American Bash, is based on what pay per view matches we're going to watch tonight, uh, and so. For people new to our podcast for this kind of thing is we don't watch pay-per-views in full because we don't really have time to do that. So they are long, boys, and it's 7.30 are. at night. We need some mercy, please. Yes, we, we are taping live at the Twitch right now starting at 7.30 at night. So we're not going to watch a full three-hour review. Uh. We are going to watch most of it. We are and we are doing a a cut, and so we are cutting out a few matches. Name redacted makes this easier. I'm gonna admit. Mm-hmm. So let's go, let's go ahead and break down the matches of the show, starting with the main event and going backwards, so we can talk about the important stuff first. 
So the main event match is a six-man tag match between uh, the Outsiders, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, versus Randy Savage, Sting, and Lex Luger. And Nash and Hall swear that the third, their third man is coming in this match. So if you've been following us, you know that, that Hall and Nash showed up ostensibly as WWF wrestlers invading WCW. Yep. They're having a whole li- legal battle about that right about here. Behind the scenes. Um, yes. The whole thing has been is wild so far because this is such a ballsy move on WCW's part. And they, like, in a way, just did not get away with it, but they're still trucking along like nothing's happening. And it's kind of glorious. Yeah. So, as a quick update on what's going on in the legal battle, my last kind of update <laughs> on that is, we, is as now we are in court and, w, and WWF presented a, a, a potential um, settlement idea of. How what they will drop the suit if WCW uh, says a few things on air to clear things up, and WCW said no to it because they were kind of absurd. I forgot to look to get the exact wording to read out of what they said, but here is the breakdown: is essentially they were asking WCW to uh, during the broad their broadcast make clear that Kevin Nash and Scott Hall do not work for the WWF. They are not WWF wrestlers. And if you wish to watch WWF wrestlers, you may see them Monday nights at eight p- at nine p.m. Eastern on USA Network for, uh, uh, for to, on Monday Night Raw. I'm not kidding. They at that was part of their agreement oh my to Is if they is if night is if on Nitro they make Eric Tony Schiavone and Eric Bischoff do a ad read for Raw. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> you cheeky bastard. Obviously, WCW said no to this. Yeah. And so, moving on. So, we're just going to fight in court for a few years about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it. it I'm not remotely surprised that like both companies did what they did there, but it's so goddamn funny. Yeah. So. Instead, how this has played out on WCW TV at the Great American Bash, uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash did an interview with Eric Bischoff, and he asked them up front, do you work for the WWF? He said that on air. And they both were like, no. So that they, we have, we have, we're going to stop pretending like they work for the WWE. They, they don't. I... This was this was WCW's way to deal to deal with the lawsuit situation. Is they're like, we're gonna stop trying to pretend like they don't work here. That well, actually, well, that's slightly... not true. They, well, that's not true. They still act like they don't work there. They just don't act like they work for the competition. They treat that... them as if they're outsiders. They coined that term in this like series of episodes. They coined the term the outsiders as the, to refer to Hall and Nash. And that name kind of sticks with them their whole career as a tag that, team. That does, that does kind of like take some of the bite out of it, but also like their hand was kind of forced. Yeah, this this turned into a legal thing real quick. So they can't I, I, I get where, where they decide to take that ambiguity out of it. Yeah. I I wish they could have done it where like uh uh he asked if they work for for WWF and they're like nah 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 we don't work for 
WWF. We're doing this like just trying to make it sound as sus as possible. Yeah, but now they they play it off as nope, they don't. Uh. And also at the bash is when Bischoff reveals this six man main event will happen at Bash at the Beach, and Hall and Nash are like, "Well, who's our three guys we're gonna fight?" And Bischoff tries to be like, "You'll find out in tomorrow night on Nitro," and they're like, "Not good enough." So Kevin Nash picks up Eric Bischoff and power bombs him through the stage. Like, like through, through, like breaks the, th- breaks the stage through. Yes. Wow. Now they, Eric Bischoff has taken off TV for two weeks and that kind of sets the tone here of like everyone in WCW kind of heel or face rallies against the Hall and Nash. Like wow. they, all, they all take offense to him attacking Bischoff and they're all like, we don't want these interlopers in this company. We want them gone. Damn, that's a that is a uh, that that that's like the 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 thing that unites everybody is what a jackass Kevin Nash is. Yeah, and so on Nitro they do a lottery of the top six wrestlers in WCW. They are it is a lottery between uh, ne- Savage, Sting, Luger, the Giant. Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. And obviously, as I mentioned earlier, Savage, Sting, and Luger won the lottery. So they are going to be facing Hall, Nash, and the third person that they have not felt mentioned yet. And it's been a a topic of conversation for a few weeks. Who's the third man? Ooh, it's such a mystery. It is. So that's our main event. Um, Then the uh, secondary... The semi-main that we are not going to watch is the Giant versus the Taskmaster. Excuse me. The Giant and the Taskmaster versus Arn Anderson and name redacted. I'll just say Chris Benoit to make sure that people know who I'm talking about there. But, yeah. So we're not going to watch that because of uh, Mr. Uh, ben Who. Yeah. And it, kind of for the story on that one is kind of interesting is at the Great American Bash – Basically, talk a lot about it beforehand because we're trying to avoid this story. But the store, but from the Taskmasters, basically, like the Taskmaster and the Dungeon of Doom were teaming up with the Horsemen to fight Hulk Hogan, a common enemy situation. So, <laughs> Taskmaster doesn't like uh, Benoit, took his wife, I get it. And, but he, he is, he still considers the Horsemen like allies at least, if not for people he can trust. At, ba- at the Great American Bash, uh, Sullivan, and the Taskmaster, and Benoit have a match. And Arn Anderson is like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I don't consider you an ally. Horseman only, pal. <laughs> wow. Okay. So now, so now the, dun- t- the Taskmaster and the Dungeon of Doom are like at war with the Horseman over because he, because Taskmaster feels betrayed. And so. That is the tag match we have on the show. Deeply, deeply convoluted and silly, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, uh, as I uh, oh, these all kind of go in a good order. Uh, the second, the next match we're after is a match we're going to skip. I I thought a lot about this, and I almost wanted to include it, but I do try to pick our pay per view matches based on like rel- importance in terms of mm-hmm. like their story relevance, and I can't justify <clears throat> this in that way. 
Ric Flair versus Conan for the U.S. title. And the reason I can't justify that, even though it's probably a great match, it is the second longest match on the show. The reason I can't justify uh, it is because it basically has no story. Uh, Ric Flair is continuing to antagonize Randy Savage, but Savage is busy doing the fighting with the outsiders. So he's just kind of he's just kind of doing it to win the title. He literally didn't talk about Conan until the last five minutes of the most recent episode of Nitro I watched. That's uh, that's kind of a weirdly shoehorned in thing for Bash at the Beach. Yeah, it's, it's it seems like it should be a bigger match that they promote, but they don't. They're just like, oh, it's happening. Eh, they just announce it right at the end of Nitro in, uh, the week before the show. They're like, oh, yeah, U.S. title match. And Flair's like, I'm, huh. I'm getting the gold. Woo! And so sure, was, Rick. Go have fun. So, like, I almost included that because it's probably going to be a pretty good match. But I, yeah. I, and I, also, I, hey, Conan. Ah. Yeah. But there's no story. And so that's why I made the ultimate decision to not include it. Damn it. Oh, well, whatever. Here's a match we will watch, probably to our detriment. Oh, uh, Mongo McMichael, Steve McMichael versus Joe Gomez. So, as I said earlier, the Horsemen got a fourth member. Uh, sir, at the Great American Bash, they had their big tag match. They had Flair and Anderson versus Steve Michael and Kevin Green, in the football players tag match. And Steve McMichael turned on Kevin Green and joined the Horsemen. Sure. They had Deborah McMichael come out with a big briefcase of money that was given to her by Horsemen. And she's like, and she convinced her husband to sell out, and so he's in the horseman now. And Wait, so is this was the this this was the chick that was cutting a promo at the beginning last time we were watching, right? Yes, yes, yes. That the is wife? Uh, the wife okay. that Ric Flair was trying to have sex with, and oh, now she's okay. part of the group with with Mongo. Sure, I don't. I I'm. I'm still not like familiar enough with any of this to like ha have that really have an impact on me, but I can I, I I can broadly appreciate there's some fuckery going on here. Yep, the power of money is all, and so now uh, Mongo McMichael is running around. He uses his brief the briefcase as a weapon to hit people with. It's great. This just sounds like variations on the theme of Ted DiBiase. <laughs> Well, you know, Savage's money goes so far. It's still they are still oh being funded God, by Savage's money. A, they're so they're just driving that meme so hard into the ground. I do not know how much money Savage could have Randy Savage could have possibly had in the alimony. Yeah. <laughs> to pay Miss Elizabeth for that. How much it's, money especially and, and especially to not be like freaking destitute himself. Like, yeah, like Jesus, is Savage a billionaire? I guess any so maybe he's a trillionaire. Jesus, he paid off Mongo and he's having the match with Joe Gomez because remember last time we watched those two schmucks that that were gonna have debut and then the horseman beat him up. Yes, and the yes, backstage one of them was Desperado Joe Gomez, and so Gomez done wants his revenge on the horseman, and so he gets to fight the fourth most important one. <sighs> Amazing. I'm so happy for him. I love this for you, King. I'm sure he'll do great. 
Yeah, he's gonna be totally fine. Everything's gonna go great. He's it's not gonna totally get humiliated and screwed on stage. No way. <laughs> nope. Uh, then we have Dean Malenko versus Disco Inferno for the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Disco Fever. Disco Fever. So. Oh, see, my mind, my mind is straight up went to Disco Inferno. So I'm just gonna burn, baby, burn. I mean, that's basically what the gimmick is, isn't it? Yeah, so, I'm having, anyway, I love it. It's it's a good song. I appreciate it. You know. So basically, uh, Disco is going around uh, saying that he is he is the kind of star that this division needs, not like the boring old Dean Malenko. <laughs> and he he's got he's hanging on to this gold record that he supposedly has now, and he's saying that a million people have bought this record, which is inaccurate because that's not a gold record. That is a day's platinum is 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 a million. Gold is five hundred thousand. So oh, wrong. Beautiful. But he is interrupting Dean Malenko's matches to dance like a dance like a like he is in Disco uh, Inferno. The mo- he is in uh, Saturday Night Fever. So nice. it's like okay, I guess we're gonna wrestle <laughs> for the t- t- cruiserweight title. Sure. Yeah. Might as well. All right, then we have the match I'm definite we're definitely not watching. The Nasty Boys versus the Public Enemy oh, in a come do- on. in a dog collar match. Nope. 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 Fuck them. They've not even really been on TV. So, I have a double reason to not watch this stupid garbage. <laughs> okay, that's that makes me very happy. Fuck the Nasty All right. Boys. All right, the last four, last three matches on the show we are going to watch. So let's roll through them. You got DDP versus Jim Duggan. Excellent. <laughs> so let's to cover. First, it, this this story was put in a weird way. So for, first of all, they announce the match and then they do the storyline stuff that would theoretically justify the match. Um, but let me, let me run you through this plot line and then tell me what, who you think is supposed to be the baby face here. Okay. So diamond Dallas page has, uh, the battle bowl ring, the Lord of the ring stuff that we I've brought up before. Uh, the most recent last episode of nitro, he loses the ring and he's all like, who, where's my ring? So I'm going to, I'm going to tear this place upside down, find him a ring. And then we okay. get an interview backstage with old Jim Duggan. And Jim Duggan is like, I was I was going on the toilet, you know, relieving myself. And then I found in the bathroom this here ring. He has the battle bowl ring. And okay. so he's just like, he's talking about it and he's ranting about how it's an it's a not a it's a very feminine ring because of its size. This is the second effeminate kind of dig i've we've gotten on these of, of on this because i didn't mention it but the sting and lord steven regal match from the great american bash sting cut this promo about how about like ooh, it's weird how they drink their tea over there in england isn't it like very get gay get it and then he he literally ends the promo with like if anyone can straighten him out it's me the stinger oh, cool 90s it's great so back to jim duggan so he's just ranting and raving about this how this ring is too small for a real man like him and then uh ddp comes in is like hey man 
what? Give him a ring back. And Duggan's like, okay, well, okay, if you want your dumb ring back, here you go. So he throws the ring on the ground. And while DDP is bent over to pick it up and put it back on, Jim Duggan pulls the tape out of his tights, wraps his fist up, and then punt and then clocks DDP in the face while okay. he's bent over picking up the ring. Again, tell me who is the baby face on this? Um, probably, probably Sting because it, he's not gay. Uh, you mean uh, Duggan? Oh, Duggan, Jesus! I yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, D- Duggan. Yeah, Duggan because he's not gay. That is supposed to be the baby face, yes. Even though DEP has done nothing wrong, and instead, you have the asshole. Take, hey, taking his property hey, and, and sucker punching him. Hey, he made the mistake of being born with feminine hands. I guess. That's so, that's that plenty is. evil for me. I don't know what, what more you want. I guess. So they're having the match, and it's not just a normal match. It's a taped fists match. Hey. Hey, this seems real fair. Duggan it's, went to management and was like, can it be a tape fist mask where it's legal to tape my fists up? <laughs> it's thematic. It's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, next match, John Tenta versus Big Bubba. Uh, this, this match is kind of, this feud has kind of gone insane in that <laughs> they had a match at the Great American Bash and Tenta won. And then they had a rematch on Nitro. And this one ends when t- uh, Big Bubba wins by hitting John Tenta in the face with a sock full of silver dollars. A sock full of silver dollars. Yep. And so, and then Tenta has a feud, has a match with the Giant where they sh- where the dungeon comes and shaves half his beard too. So now he's got oh, half hey, a this... head of hair and half a beard. <laughs> fair, fair. So yeah, now they're going to have a match in a Carson City silver dollar match. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> well, it's again thematically relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, the... it's something, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I, I will say with this whole like half hair half beard thing does it stay like perfectly half and half the whole time i mean yeah it's pretty it's pretty half and it's it's pretty cleanly cut i don't know when he yeah does so, shave it so, off, but... so so if i'm thinking about this is he between episodes then continuing to shave the half of him that is shaved to keep that like two-faced look going cleanly Yes, but don't think about that. You're not supposed to think about that. Oh no, Austin! Oh no! (laughs) I just realized that because we're talking about this, I'm like, wait a minute, this is like a running thing over several weeks. Why doesn't he just like let his hair grow back? Because revenge, David. You can do your revenge without looking like Two Face. Nope, he understands the thematic importance of keeping Oh my god. He didn't need you to stop poking logic holes in here. I like logic. Okay, whatever. 
Anyway, the first match of the show, and so thus the last match I'm going to mention, is Rey Mysterio versus Psychosis. <gasps> Daddy! Yes, uh, this match has no real story either, but it's Rey Mysterio, so I was like, we're doing this one. You are the best and uh, my favorite, and uh, you are forgiven for every sin of everything you have like made me suffer through. Nice. Anyway, so this is just a good old-fashioned uh, luchadors doing lucha match. Rey Mysterio debuted in the company. Uh, he had a match with Dean Malenko at the Great American Bash for the Cruiserweight title that Malenko won, but Malenko had to cheat to do it. So they're really portraying Mysterio as kind of like the guy who has Malenko figured out. Nice. Like, the man of a thousand holds is kicking everybody's ass, and he can beat Mysterio, too, but Mysterio knows how to beat him. He just needs a fair shot at it. I love it. So this is just kind of like a match to get uh, Mysterio out there and and to keep bringing in more of this international talent for the cruiserweight division. And and so Mysterio and Psychosis is going to blow your mind. I, I, I feel very confident in that prediction. I'm very happy. Love me some Ray. Uh, my only regret is that uh, his new his new uh, uh, theme song from the early 2000s till now won't be won't be playing when he comes out. I love that theme yeah, song. Very very sad. So that is our setup for Bash of the Beach 1996. Uh, if you would like to watch uh, watch the show uh, is while we are watching it. Unfortunately, I don't have my timestamps with me. I, oh, intended, no. I I plotted this all out. And I forgot my notebook. I am not in my apartment in Columbus. If you regularly watch us on the video feed, you can see that. But if you're audio yeah. only, I'm not in my regular recording place, so I forgot my notebook. So, but uh, you know, you, it's pretty easy to scroll through on on uh, Peacock uh, TV com. That is where we are watching Bash at the Beach. Um, that it is five ninety is four nine nine a month with ads nine 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 a month without. You get all of WWE's old network stuff. Uh, if you're outside of the U.S., you can still use the WWE network. Uh, I normally this is where we also say like, hey, if you go on YouTube, you can watch at least the important stuff. But here's the thing: what the third man stuff is probably what you want to watch if you watch anything from this. Mm-hmm. But the twist is so well known. I don't know if you can go on YouTube to watch the match without also getting the spoiler that you wanted that every the big mystery. If you don't already know what that mystery is, I don't know if you can go on YouTube and not get caught spoiled by it just trying to look up the match. Yeah, well, you know, you just you got to know at some point, right? Yeah. So, with that in mind, we will be back here, uh, say, about 10 p.m. Eastern on the Twitch to record our back half. Indeed. Yep. Uh, See you guys then. See you then. And we are back. We have just finished Bash at the Beach 1996. And I got to tell you, for 40 episodes, we've been here, brother. We did it for the charities. We did it for the kids. And now, brother, I'm going to say that all you people can stick it, brother. That, oh, man. 
it's 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 real interesting. I mean, dear lord. So yeah, the the thing we've been so cheekily non-referring to this whole time is um plot twist. Hulk Hogan is the third man. What? Hulk Hogan is the third man in this new world, world organization, organization, brother. Yeah, organization. He said it right the first time, and he then the next and then he just got weird with it. <laughs> new world organization doesn't quite have the same bite to it. Mm-hmm. So yes, that is the lit twist. Is that Hulk Hogan? turning heel for the first time since like 1984 you know what hulk hogan's been heel in spirit far long before then that egomaniacal prick creating batman villains out of like every person he who has the like misfortune of coming across his bullshit it it, it yeah. was only a matter of time yeah and i think that's something that a lot of people have like especially if you talk about the narrative of the, of the NWO in more recent times, an acknowledgement that like Hulk Hogan was stale as shit to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And he has never been someone that WCW's audience took to in the same way. Like I've talked before about this regional divide of the audiences between that company up North brother, the <laughs> WWF and WCW, they were different audiences and the Southern wrestling audiences had no time for Hulk Hogan's cartoony clown show bullshit. And <laughs> so he brought Hogan brought fans in and they liked him, but the WCW faithful did not by and large. And so two years deep, like everyone was, was already kind of ready to start throwing trash at Hulk Hogan. Yeah. For much different reasons though. So yeah, um, they're teasing throughout this. I mean, obviously this is the through line of the whole episode As we start off with this big video package, recapping everything up to this point. Um, Scott Hall showing up, clowning on uh, um, um, Eric Bischoff, um, Sting showing up to be like, hey, fuck you, leave my company dad alone, uh, and then uh, Kevin Nash showing up and also clowning on Eric Bischoff, and then Eric Bischoff trying to stand up to them and just being yeeted. Um, and then and they, they spend the entire nuisance, and they were a nuisance for a few t- episodes of Nitro. Yeah, they just after that they just show him showing up randomly and doing like macking on the crowd and stuff. I'm like, okay, that's a that's a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, it they they play into you know just what a what a thing that is. Um, that that they've just been here and being dicks and oh no, what are we gonna do about it? And you know, of course, they've got the big tag team match. Uh, but nobody knows their third man is in the entire entire. If this had been made in the 2010s, it would have been a hashtag. Who is the third man? Like that's how hard. Yeah, to play yeah, it. absolutely. Hashtag who is the third man? Hashtag third man. Like, yeah, that something to that thing. effect. Um, and they also cut a promo with with Sting, Luger, and uh, and Macho Man Randy Savage, who are all wearing solidarity face paint, as Austin put it, um, which I think is great. I think they all look good and uh, all look good in that makeup. Yeah, uh, Savage doesn't. Savage does his Savage thing where he barely looks at the camera. <laughs> looks yeah, into the why camera. Why does he turn his back on the camera all the damn time? It's so distracting. But, you know, they all kind of say what you'd expect them to say. Savage sounds like a crazy person. Luger is like, we're going to we're going to fight to we're going to take we're going to fight back against these interlopers. And Sting does a whole speech about like nerves and him getting nervous and shit and how but he's going to fight and they're going to win and all that. 
Dude, Sting is Sting is like just always so badass. I I don't know how to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Stinger yeah. is great. True. Uh, and so we get we also then get a couple of segments throughout the show of Mean Gene Okerlund trying to give updates. Oh my and, god, Gene yeah, like is the, so pissed off. Oh yeah, it's the first time through we get him him just kind of being outside the locker room he shows off his armed security guards ah! there he's like uh, i have a team of lawyers who are at the ready if these men, if these gentlemen attempt to lay a finger on me oh yeah he's not putting up with this tonight and then later we get a bit where he's in front of the locker room and he's like oh, I was eavesdropping on them and he hears the third person's voice but it's muffled and he, he mm-hmm. can't quite place it but he knows he's heard this voice before. He knows in some part of him recognizes this voice. Yeah. And it's like, oh, oh, yes, he does. They're really playing this up. Like, mm. he's, he's just like, it's, it's, it's tickling the back of my subconscious, but I, I just can't quite seem to place it. Mm. And then we get to the main event. Uh, the main event match that is ostensibly 3v3, but it becomes 2v2. The- yeah. So first we get uh, Michael Buffer comes out to do the intro. He's a big time boxing legend as mm-hmm. an announcer. And he's the guy who does, let's get ready to rumble. That's so cool. Like hearing that from an actual like person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gotta immediately go pay like five bucks to Michael Buffer for that. Yeah. <laughs> because he has that trademarked. But, and then... And WCW paid him a lot of money to do these spots. Like pretty much any of their big match show, any of their big matches had buffer. Ooh, that was that's like, so cool. That was a symbol of like, this match is important because buffer's doing the announcing. Buffer's here. Did yeah. WWF ever get their hands on him? No, nah, they didn't want to pay that money. Wow. Okay. They didn't want to pay the money it would cost to bring him in. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. But they so he announces them, and then the outsiders come out without a third man. And Okerlund tries to ask them about it, and they're like, "Whatever, he's third man's in the building. Don't worry about it. Yeah, don't don't think about it too hard." And uh, then here, and then here comes uh, Savage, Luger, and Sting. And I pointed this out to David: is that we have I've I've talked. I think I've mentioned it at least once on this show, but I don't know. Is that the backup plan for? Is that Hulk Hogan? To for some context, is Hulk Hogan was always kind of the top choice. Once they had an idea of who they wanted to be the third man, it was always Hogan. But yeah. the thing, Hogan had creative control, which basically means. Anything that he got booked to do, he had to personally approve of. Yep. He could not be, he couldn't, they couldn't force him to do this, to turn heel like this. And Hogan was very unsure about it because in, in 1996, like heels didn't make the big bucks in the same way that baby faces did. They didn't get the same promotional money or merch dollars. And Hogan, Hogan in his contract, got a cut of WCW's money whenever he was personally on a show. So in his mind, if this bot, if this doesn't go right, like that's a lot of lost revenue for him. And there's a story of like Hogan's manager 
like I like real manager, like a financial manager person, like begging WCW over the phone to not turn him heel. Really? Like Hogan's people were absolutely against this for this. Wow. They were huge against it. But eventually they were able to sell Hogan on this. And Hogan, to his credit, has always been quite good at latching on to really pop, seeing, being able to read the tea leaves and know that this is a big thing and that it's worth him getting involved in. So they eventually got him on it. But he also, of course, had every right to turn them down after he said so. So they had a backup plan in place and the backup plan was staying. If Hogan backed out or as we, as I mentioned to David, actually at this point in time, he was filming Santa with muscles. So So if like there had been travel issues and he couldn't make it in time also for the same reason, they pivot to sting as the backup because there had to be a third man tonight. They, yep. could, they couldn't not do that. Yeah, that'd be and, pretty bad. And we had we have our thoughts on the Sting twit on the if it be, what if it was Sting, but it would it was I, I would say it would have been funny because there's a lot of conversation in the match about like well the third man's not here he's not in the ring he's not we don't know where he is it'd be yeah. fun. if it had been Sting that'd be funny ironic yeah it'd be like. We don't know where he is. He's like, he's right there. He's right there. We're Dora the Exploring, and he's right there. Yeah. But the um, overall Sting is the twist, I think, would have been a big disappointment in comparison. It would have been fine, but it wouldn't have been the earth-shattering thing that Hogan was, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we get we get Hogan, and we, I mean, it's exactly like how, Austin, you described it way back when we first started, I think, Attitude Era, of uh, they they go through the match a little bit. Uh, Luger gets knocked out of fucking media. Yeah, so I think they did that because they realized that like traditional like psychology doesn't work if the baby face if there are more baby faces than heels. Yeah, like the idea is always to garner sympathy for the uh, baby faces on the who are being beaten down, and that doesn't really work when there are more of them. <laughs> so. <laughs> They like create a contrived reason for Luger to like be taken out on a gurney. <laughs> so it's Oof. 2v2. Yeah. yeah. Um, which it's so it's gratifying to me because fuck Lex Luger. Um, <laughs> not, uh, not super into him. So I was like, yeah, cool. Get out of here. Um, but he, uh, he gets knocked out, just like knocked out cold and the EMTs throw like, like just, just fling themselves out there um and get them on a gurney and it's bye bye like mm-hmm. so the whole match is sting and and savage against uh hogan uh, not hogan national hall yep and um, the match the match is good it's not anything spectacular but then again even if it was like the greatest thing ever i think the twist later overshadows it anyway <laughs> oh yeah no um, it's it's a it's a pretty decent match, um, just kind of on its own, and it's boosted by the fact that it is like this storyline, and they've been you know playing it up so hard, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's finally coming to a coming to a head. 
Yeah, Sting and Savage are played off as like that they've never been more pissed off and oh, motivated yeah. to kick ass. It is it, it and it does make for some great uh some great work. I really enjoyed what they mm-hmm. were doing um in that uh it, in in that in that fight of just it's cool to see Sting go sicko mode. It's really nice to see Savage, you know, just do his normal thing going sicko mode. Um I I'm just so obsessed with how good Randy Savage looked in that face paint too. I know it's not like really the point, but I just can't get over how good that face paint. No, nah, he had, he had purple and yellow to match his. Yeah, and he looked great. It was awesome. I want more of that. Uh, but yeah. So Sting especially is going sick on Savage is about like I don't want to say par for the course because that makes it sound like mediocre, but like Savage was about like he he's he's at his normal level pretty much. He's, he's maybe a little. In, he's, he's already pretty intense. Yeah, he's yeah, I, yeah. That's pretty much it. Like that's the best way to describe it. Is like he does normal level, but his normal level is like an eleven. So yeah, yeah. But Sting's going sickle mode, and that's what's really good to watch. Um, but they're going at it, going at it, uh, and eventually all four of them end up on the ground. Um, and the audience, you just see them standing up, and of course, who walks out? They all but... they see the audience sees Hogan come walking down. They don't play yep. his music. They don't. They don't do that. You don't hear the. You know the. Uh... It's... <sighs> He's it's, government inspector. He's U.S. Green. It's a very interesting parallel to the origin of the superpowers. Of mm. of Hogan comes out unannounced. The crowd is losing its shit at his like at, at his arrival because for as much as they struggled like getting fan support for Hogan per what you described, I imagine like in the midst of all of this, just like with the tension they've built for what's going on. Um, and with Hogan still being a pretty big name, even if he's not like as usually as, as over with the crowd as he like was back in WWF in his heyday. Um, mm-hmm. Just under the circumstance of what's going on, I think everything was heightened enough. The audience was still like, holy shit, it's Hogan. Um, Yo, yeah. Cause Hogan's also been gone for a couple of months now. Yeah, he has. This, this was his um, big return. So, so even then, he he gets he gets a lot more over with the audience than than he I guess would normally, but it's really cool. They stand up. He shows up. He jumps in the ring, kind of like walks around a bit. And of course, Hall and Nash are, as we know, feigning shock, but they do a good little like yeah, oh they, shit. They, they here. Do, they, yeah, they do great to play off of like oh fuck, oh no. Yeah. Yep. And then Hogan goes over and Rob kicks Randy Savage. He does. He leg. He does the leg drop to Savage. He does the leg drop. Yep. He does it again. He throws the ref out of the ring. He does it a third time, and then they do a pin and and a hall and Scott Hall the pin, and the match is kind of ends is there. The announcers something fierce, which is great. Oh yeah, they're like, we're not counting this, but announcers. I want to talk about them for me this too. Moment. They do a fantastic job, and there's so many iconic quotes from this segment. Oh with, my god! Yeah, you look at when Hogan comes out. Uh, Dusty Rose going, Hulk Hogan is in the building. And Sally goes, You're damn right, he is. And yep. then the line that lives in infamy, Bobby Heenan going, Yeah, but whose side is he on? Yup. And which like, was great. People like to like act like uh, Heenan like spoiled the twist. And I'm gonna say he didn't. And the reason for that is number one, WCW didn't inform the announcers what was going to happen so wait really they weren't in on it yeah it's it's 
it's a diff, there are differing philosophies on how much the announcer should know what's going on. Some in some companies and in some eras, they know everything. Sometimes they're like, give us your natural reaction. We're not going to tell you anything about what happens. But oh, shit. for here, the announcers did not know that Hogan was the twist, was the oh, third shit. man. So, and the thing is, is that like, that is completely in character for Heenan to say. Bobby Heenan's most consistent character trait is that he hates Hulk Hogan with a burning passion. <laughs> he always assumes the worst. Hulk Hogan could save a kitten from a tree, and Bobby Heenan would figure out how that actually makes Hogan a self-serving dickhead. Well, I remember that from when we watched when we watched the Hogan Andre thing. Mm -hmm. Um which makes it really, which which was really funny because Heenan was like kind of right in that case. Um, he was in that case correct as well. Yeah. So in some ways, Heenan's hatred of Hogan is kind of justified. Yeah, you could absolutely look at Hogan's care in character career, and it suggests that at least Bobby Heenan has good points. Yeah. So, like, he was not saying that out of some sense of like. I know I'm gonna spoil the whole thing. It yep. was more out of like he he was doing what would be in character for him to suggest, which is that Hulk Hogan is a turncoat traitor. It just yeah. so happens that this time he's correct. But like also, I feel like you see Hogan walk out, and there's gotta be some inkling, right, that he's the third guy. Like who the, why the hell else would he be there? It does yeah, I, I agree with that. Is that it feel it like it feel it would feel if he wasn't the third guy, it would be weird that he was there. Not necessarily unexpected because it's Hogan, yeah, but definitely weird. Well, because I feel I feel like the reaction, and maybe this is me like speculating too hard about like emotions of people from the eighties, but like I feel like what they must have been going for was like this sense of Hogan walks out, and there's something in the back of your brain that knows like what this means. But you also know Hogan is like the etern the eternal baby face superhero who would never. And you're just like watching him, hoping, praying that he doesn't do the thing. And then he kind of like wafts around Savage a little bit. And you're like, oh, come on. Oh, come on. And then, yep, does the leg drop. And it's uh, it's it's like the dread gets fulfilled in a way. I mean, it does play. I, it does completely play on audience expectations of what's going to happen here. Like it's yeah. set up like the classic Hulk Hogan saves the day moment. Well, again, it's like it's like the formation of the superpowers. It, it, it's like you know, Miss Elizabeth runs back and grabs Hulk, and he comes out unannounced, no music, and he sees what's going on. He's like, "Oh hell no, brother! We gotta we gotta right this mm -hmm. wrong." And so this almost acts as a parallel, yeah, to moments like that where where we have Hulk Hogan making this big cinematic dramatic entrance and he's here to, to, to arch good guy, the, you know, the, the faces back to victory, but here he just flips on a dime and nope, he's with them this time. Nope. He's the bad which, guy, which how, how many times has moment, how many times had moments like that happened outside of those like superpowers thing? Uh, I'm afraid I don't know enough I, to know that. It's not that he's never had a, one more iconic than this Mega Powers. No, but like, Mega Powers, Jesus. Him, be, him being like the savior is at yeah. least common enough. So, yeah, so so it is, a, it is a bit of a trope. So they did a brilliant mm -hmm. thing of playing off that trope really well. Um, and 
I can only imagine how this legitimately affected people watching this, which is, again, wild for how much Hogan was not, like, kind of over with WCW audiences in the same vein. Um, but he's, but he turns and they pin Savage and real quickly trash starts getting thrown in the ring and people yeah. are pissed and everyone's up yeah, on their feet and they're screaming. Yeah. This is W in WWF. I'm pretty sure if this, he, they did this, it would cause a riot, but in, in WCW, they just decide to throw trash. Yep. They pelt the ring. You can s- multiple times through this whole promo that he gives after this that I was referencing at the beginning, mm. where like you can see h- that him and Mean Gene get splattered with soda as yep. people throw their cups on them. Yeah, one of them. Um, Gene is getting into the ring. You see a flying soda cup come inches from Hogan's head. Yep, I caught that. It was so good. Uh. <laughs> What was what was so so yeah, uh mean Gene gets in the ring. And it's also really funny. I freaking love how tiny Gene is next to these three these three dudes. He's so he's so small and they look so big and it makes them look like freaking giants. It's hilarious. Yeah, he's it works so really tiny. well. But yeah, Gene's be, Gene's being all indignant. Um and he's basically like, Hulk Hogan, what have you got to say for yourself? And Hogan grabs the mic and hops on what basically reveals itself to be a you people speech. It is a little bit of a you people speech. He literally says you people at one point. It, ha- does, it, is, it is a you people speech. Um, just about like how he's he was dissatisfied and he was bored and he made bazillions for people in that company up north and he got bored of all the good shit that, that uh, he was handed by billionaire Ted in, uh, in WCW and He's he saw these two guys invigorated with a fighting spirit, and he's like, "Hell yeah, brother! That's what's for me now. I'm mm-hmm. I'm through selling out for all these people. I'm gonna I want to be a face of legitimate excitement in wrestling again." Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's it is a little you peopley, but I, it also to me read like this, like just like H- Hogan's ego and arrogance coming in full displace the the kind of thing that Bobby Heenan has just been yelling about for a decade yeah a thing and everyone ignored him the great prophet Bobby the brain <laughs> Heenan the oracle of Delphi Bobby yeah. Heenan yeah like the, he is Hogan acts every bit like the arrogant self-centered asshole that Bobby Heenan has said he has been for as a the decade. kids these days say mask off yeah yeah he goes full mask off and is like if it wasn't for me none of you people would be here uh none of bill people made millions off of me and you know what and i'm tired of not being treated like how i think i should be treated i'm gonna destroy this company because i can i i kind of i'm kind of here for that though of like of him just just saying fuck it (laughs) Uh, I don't care anymore. Uh, and it, it is kind of great. It's it's vindicating in a way for every sense you had that, you know, maybe Hogan is an asshole. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of cool that they decided to lean into it and, like, actually play that up. It feels very, like, self-aware and, and a great, like, dissection yeah, of the Hogan character. They knew what ho- what people think about Hulk Hogan as a character. Yeah, pretty much. Um <laughs> 
what what was interesting for me too watching him on the mic was there was this energy about hogan like on on there's this one moment where like because the entire time he's basically like grabbed gene okerlund by the arm and just keeps like lifting it back up to to keep talking um and at one point he flashes this smile that's a little bit of like nervous energy i think i'm having fun with this but Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I got the sense after talking with you about like you know his hesitancy to do this. There was it seemed like a bit of discomfort uh, in what in Hogan's line delivery. It felt a little bit like he had this like slightly nervous energy the whole time of like this is so outside my wheelhouse. I don't know if I can make this work. I'm kind of scared the, about about how this is going to go over. I, I do get that sense. Is it like this is well outside of Hogan's? Like this isn't like Hogan. Like Hogan knows how to do the "let me tell you something, Mean Gene." Yeah, bits. And now he's like basically he he. There, it's very clearly Hogan, and especially as he as I will say, is it like as he leans into the heel persona, he also gets back to also being the hot dog and dipshit that he always is. Yeah. <laughs> But I think he, he kind of re- has to realize, like, oh yeah, this is actually really easy to reconcile these two. Like, yeah, he's like, wait a minute. I oh can, wait, it's super easy to just be the same Hulk Hogan, but just kind of be a little more of an asshole. Yeah, because I mean, that's what this feels like. Is like on this promo, it's a great promo. It's a really affecting mm-hmm. promo. It is, but I can't help get this like sense of slight discomfort from him of like. He's, it's he's, like, it feels he's like he's trying to do different than he. Yeah, yeah, did. that's. Thank you. Okay, I thought I was crazy here. I'm like, this feels different from his usual delivery, and I thought I was going nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he almost feels like uncomfortable on the mic a little bit doing this. Um, but it's it's almost endearing in a sense of like you know of, of knowing kind of what he was going through mentally with with committing to this storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a little bit like man he clearly even in this moment in his big moment didn't know how to take this like for god's sake he was having trash pelted at him for a man who's used to being like the top hero of everything that's got to be a little like disconcerting um but he pushes through and he gives it his all um and it's and you know he's and and like you know as you said you know he's going to kind of find his niche but like just this first one you can tell it's a it's so like I can imagine it was almost scary for him in a way. And that's, that makes it kind of a cool moment on in a meta sense too. I think. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's very different and new for Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. And he does knock it out of the park though. And he has a lot of top, top notch lines. Uh, he, he names the new world order specifically and then fucks it up for two minutes. And then fucks it up as the new world organization. <laughs> yes. Twice. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say when he declared new world order, that felt earth shattering. Mm-hmm. Like this is the new world, world order of wrestling world. brother. Yup. Like he made that, sure to continue using brother. He, yeah, he, <laughs> he, 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 he sprinkles it with plenty of brother. Um, but, but yeah, the, the declaration of the new world, cause it's funny. I've always heard the like new world order and I've like, you know, I get it, but it's a little hokey, right? It's, it's like. It's like any like tag team name. It's like you know, we're we're talking a big game, um, and you know we're we're just we're just any other like tag team or group or whatever. Um, but you know we, we'll we'll add a cool name on it to make it sound epic and 
and uh and extreme um but here it felt genuine um it's like in the moment him declaring new world order it did kind of feel like that because the way they ran this storyline is such a unique angle um i almost see like and i can't remember if i made this observation before i very well may have yeah i think i have this this feels like the the spiritual ancestors of pipe bomb promo um in mm-hmm. in kind of how it presents like we have uh we have thoughts about how things are run around here uh and we are going to forcefully uh we're going to forcefully make make our own thing of it um except instead of it you know being done in a cm punk way where it's like where i'm going to use my words to tear this place down it's we are going to just eviscerate physically this entire organization and that makes new world order when it's declared actually sound kind of threatening and really like oh my god this this is like their attempt at a new world order that's yeah. really dope both promos are an attempt at a destruction of the status quo exactly right? and cm punk is inevit is eventually portrayed as kind of like the underdog hero of the masses and, mm-hmm. and the underrepresented whereas this is 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 portrayed as as like the evil monster destroying all yeah. that is good and right with the world yep um it, it does it does get played off in it but but if they feel reminiscent of each other um mm-hmm. just kind of for what they are um and yeah, Hogan's Hogan's presentation really really makes it work. Uh, and Scott and um, and Kevin too, just celebrating like the like absolute animals. They're they're revel they're relishing in it, which I think helps Hogan out too. Like if it were just Hogan on that mic, um, that nervous energy would have like I think almost distracted me. But like having having Scott Hall and Kevin Nash dancing around him too because they're used to being like heels and they're used to playing up the shithead uh, persona and they, and they've been in this for a couple months now. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, uh, they're playing really good backup dancers for him in they, a way. They, uh, they really help boost the, boost the mood. They are They're They're going all in They're taught. They're doing all the poses, Hogan's and their own. Yeah. That's the thing. They work the crowd really well here. Mm-hmm. Um, they're basically like turning to the crowd and saying they're saying like like yes i we we feed off your spike give it to us no 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 yeah 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 hey hey hey, hey. you in the front row fuck you hey yeah. you in the front row fuck there's a you. guy there's a guy in ecw shirt that i'm pretty sure was flipping hogan the double bird and it was cracking me up that's amazing yeah it was pretty wild the crowd it the crowd doesn't and i know it's like the crowd when hogan drops the leg doesn't immediately get mad almost as if they're in some some degree of shock but like as it as it settles in what's going on here yep they're pissed yeah they are they they have none to do with they want nothing to do with this oh my god they lose it dude it's so funny um Cause it, cause like so far removed from it and knowing the twist way ahead of time, you know, we're not affected by this, it, it, especially cause hindsight's 2020 and we see Hulk Hogan is kind of a complete shithead from start to finish, yeah. a popular shithead and one that had a lot of merits to his career, but, but dear Lord, what a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, 
So this doesn't quite affect us in the same way, but I can appreciate what it what it did for audiences at the time, knowing like you know who Hulk Hogan was to people back in like late eighties, yeah. early nineties. I can respect the fact that this was like people watching their childhood hero be revealed as a villain. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it, it'd be like if any of my faves came out and did something like this, I would be fucking angry if they mm -hmm. had Rey Mysterio come out and do and pull some shit like this with some like evil heel group. I'd I'd like eat my hat and then then like projectile vomit the the remnants <laughs> into the ring. Yeah. Um. Like I I totally get it. And the, but the best part is going back to the announcers for a second is they do a great job once Hulk finally gets off the mic and they're all celebrating. They all play up this great shock and like deep anger and they're like, I don't even know what to say. Hulk Hogan yeah, they, can go to they hell. Like, yeah, they like yeah, they Tony Giovanni's like, you can go to hell, straight to hell. Like they don't know what to do. They have they they're they're like, this is the end of the show, so we have to sign off. But also we we can't even process what we've just seen right now, and you're expecting us to like do that, sign off while also processing what we've just seen. I have to wonder how much of that was genuine from them. Like if they got swept up in the moment that much too. Mm -hmm. Or if they are like the consummate professionals of the industry, they they kind of uh, kind of got like, oh shit, okay, this is what's going on. We're gonna play along now. Yeah. I I'd be curious about that too. Uh how like what they were feeling in that moment of like calling that action of calling that it, it has to be at least a little bit played up. Like, mm -hmm. like they, they're again, they're consummate professionals. They know how this stuff tends to run. They don't have an investment in it. Like the fans do, but they play like they do and they play really well like they do. Oh yeah. It, the, the announcers do a fantastic job overall on this whole segment like really it's, yeah. and i think they really help tie it all together yeah it's awesome and another um, iconic line i forgot is that like besides heenan's like well, whose side is he on is also when he does it also when hogan drops the leg when he yells hulk hogan has betrayed wcw yeah that line, that line gets used a lot in oh yeah no, i know i mean that's and that's what it must have felt like to a lot of these people it's a mm -hmm. massive betrayal of of everything they've seen about this man up to this point. Yep. God. So, but yes, that is, that is the big thing from uh bash at the beat. So what, what were your thoughts overall on, uh, of old, of old bashy bash. Now that we got the big thing out of the way. It was, I, I wasn't, I wasn't super into a lot of those matches. Uh, I was mostly here for Rey Mysterio at the beginning and Hulk Hogan at the end. Um, and as bookends, they were fucking phenomenal. All the rest oh, yeah. of the middle. Is I? Yeah, I don't think this was a. I, admittedly, for once, the way I cut up the show probably cut out good match, more good than bad matches. Well, the, the thing is too, like here, with but... how we've tackled the WCW storyline, it's we are here for a very specific mm -hmm. purpose. We are here to cover the NWO storyline. That has been the focal point of what we of everything we've been covering. So that's what my mind stuck with. All the other storylines, I just don't really feel that much of a connection to. And I can't even say that necessarily as a as like a fault of the matches for the most part. Some of them mm -hmm are legitimately Some of them are not good anyway <laughs> but, like, but like overall like just by virtue of what we do on this show 
I'm here for NWO stuff. So all the rest, I was sitting there like, yeah, these are pretty good matches. I just feel absolutely no connection to them. And yeah, yeah a lot of that, I don't want to put at fault of WCW. But also, I feel like in a way, um, this they have a lot of stuff going on in the background that by virtue of the NWO stuff just is not nearly as compelling. Yeah, okay, there's... I'm not going to say that any of the storylines that I described in the first half of this show are, were that compelling to me on watch, except maybe like the horseman drama. Like I, I enjoyed a lot of the horse. Yeah, we didn't drama. even cover that much of horseman stuff. Yeah. Cause we're blatantly the, avoiding how one of the members. Yeah. Yeah. But as someone who was watching it and then having to come up with how to talk about it on the show, like I enjoyed the horseman stuff. But we're not really focusing on it because the <laughs> yeah. great, guy. great guy. That's a great way to describe it. Yeah. So we're kind of I'm kind of stuck with like the dumb mid card crap that they're, that yeah. they're doing involving silver dollars and tape fists and idiots who putting people through tables. Oh yeah. We're uh, it's it's all top tier stuff. Yeah. So let's go through the rest of the show. Uh, I'll go put Mysterio Psychosis on last. Just Thank to, you. As a courtesy so we can end on something more positive. I'm here for it. Yeah, so uh, um, we, we start. The first thing I want to talk about then is John Tenta defeating Big Bubba in a Carson City Silver Dollar match. That was uh, interesting. Um, <laughs> that was shit. <laughs> it was kind of dumb. I mean, the whole setup, it's, as, as Austin and I kind of put it at early on, it's, it's, it's an open air cage match. Yeah. It's not, it's not just a match where like silver dollars are legal or whatever. It's a match where dollar socks. Yeah. It, it is, they have a sock full of silver dollars. The one that ostensibly big Bubba used to clock. Uh, John Tenta in the face mm. and they hung it up on the largest pole they could find <laughs> and the uh, objective of the match was to the first objective before you beat somebody is to grab this is to climb this pole and get the silver dollar sure and it's like first of all the pole's too large it's obscenely large it's like seven feet high well, the, and we have least. two big thick boys we do. Neither of whom are clearly physically capable of climbing that <sighs> no neither bubba nor and yeah and they know that and they know that too because yeah. they get because who grabs the silver dollars but what jimmy, jimmy hart, hart climbs it oh my god the jimmy which, hey, audience, we found out while watching this that the reason Jimmy Hart has such a prestigious career in wrestling is because he was friends with Jerry fucking Lawler in high school. God damn it. Good times. I'm so angry about that. You can't even imagine. Well, maybe longtime viewers can. But, god damn. Um, but, yeah. Because, yeah, Jimmy Hart is, is Big Bubba's stooge. Um... And so Bubba, after uh, Bubba's doing a lot of shenanigans in this match, he like medical tapes Tenta to the to the ropes. He tries to cut Tenta's hair again. Um, yeah. By the way, Tenta is down. His beard is shaved. He's down to the mustache and still half a head of hair. 
I also just want to point out, too, that for some reason, what Big Bubba gets his hands on for attempting to cut, um, cut Tenta's hair is medical scissors that you use to cut medical tape. Yeah, he doesn't get like proper scissors. For I, I'm hair. like, I'm like, wait a minute, those are bent. What the? <laughs> yeah, it's medical. So of course, Tenta's able to like grab him and do a reversal on him somehow, and grabs it and is like, oh look, it's the perfect kind of scissors for cutting this tape off. Who would have thunk? Well, oh, that's, well, that's convenient. That's convenient. <laughs> yeah, you, but... you didn't count on having a certified lifeguard in your audience who would know that shit. Um, but <laughs> yeah, no. you were um, you were going off on this too on this show for doing that, and then Luger was not properly put on that gurney. Why did they put it? Why did they have him in a manual head split the whole time? This creates more work. Why would you do that? Did headboards not exist in the nineteen nineties? Are you what? That's a possible spinal injury, you dinks. These are questions I can't answer because I'm afraid to tell you, David, that it's all fake. So they probably didn't think of it. But, but no, 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 no. I have to, I have to like point this out. And again, maybe headboards of the maybe maybe backboards of the '90s were different. But the way you see backboards, if you go to any fucking pool, is that you have the thing up on the wall and you see like the dumbass like plastic stuff sticking out of the top part. That is a headboard. You pull it out. You take it out and you put it on either side of the person's head to keep it from jostling around because you don't want their head moving around in a potential spinal injury. So why in the hell did you not have those at the ready <laughs> to put to put Rolf Luger's head in a proper head? Like, like you're just gonna like risk his head moving around if you're moving him on the gurney while manually stabilizing him. I don't get it. Yeah, I'm afraid my answer is going to be the same as it was before that explanation. <laughs> Stupid. Very stupid. Anyway, uh back look, to the slowest match I've, I've seen. Every few times show. I get to like pull out this expertise in civilian life, okay? Let me have this. Uh, <laughs> you can have it if you want. Just is podcasting say. civilian life? I don't know. Anyway, um uh yeah. So so John Tenta cuts himself free. Um uh and they keep going back and forth a little bit. Um, and Big Bubba at one point kind of gets the upper hand. And while he's doing that, Jimmy Hart takes it upon himself to climb the pole. Because I guess that's legal because everything's legal here for some reason. But, yeah, oh no, no here. John Tenta <laughs> knocks down Bubba. And I will say this was kind of a great moment. First of all, Jimmy Hart surprisingly agile, able to like actually get himself up that pole. I was surprised. Yeah, I thought they were gonna do some like Mulan or, or Steve Rogers shitifying John, some way. John Penta attempts to do that. He attempts to Steve Rogers the pole. Yeah, he tries to not. He tries to unhook the pole, but Bubba mm. stops him. But yeah, yeah. Good, old, good old Jimmy. He slide. He grabs the silver dollar and he's like slowly sliding down in celebration because he his back is turned to the match to do this. So he doesn't see that big that John Tenta has since gotten the upper hand, and so Tenta just like steals the silver dollars from him. 
pretty much. Jimmy Hart doesn't even really do anything. He just like he's like, oh shit. There's this great, yeah. It is it is kind of a great moment of like Hart's coming down the pole and Ted is like, yeah, yeah, come to daddy. Yeah, come come on down. Come on down. And Jimmy like Hart realizes and does give a pretty good face as Tenta like just grabs the pennies out from under him and just right right in the jaw. Well, supposedly in the jaw to Big Bubba. <laughs> It is obvious at certain camera angles it did not hit the jaw even a little bit. Yeah, but no. it's, he hits Bubba and he pins him and that's it. That's I'm it. pretty sure this is the end of this storyline. I, I do. I will say I also I do also appreciate um, that uh, once after he pins Bubba he like empties the sock onto Bubba's face and takes mm-hmm. two of the silver dollars uh, and places them on Bubba's eyes if he's about to get sent down the fucking river sticks. I'm like, you know what? I can appreciate the, the yeah, mythological he, imagery there. Rest in peace, Big Bubba. He died of a shot from yeah. a from a silver bat, a sock full of silver dollars. Yeah, tell tell uh, uh, tell Karen and Hades we say hi. Um, yeah. I, I I appreciated that. That was a nice little thing. Mm-hmm. Eh, cute, whatever. Yeah. And then after that, you got DDP versus uh, Jim Duggan. Oh yeah, this fist match that featured surprisingly little taped fists. Almost no taped fists until the very end. What? Yeah. I. It's it's technically fine, except the whole thing is stupid because Jim Duggan is stupid. Fuck Jim Duggan. What? They 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 chant USA at DDP, and DDP (laughs) is from fucking New Jersey. And his name is Diamond Dallas. Like he's literally named for a fucking city in Texas, the Murica State. Like what? But he's facing America, man. So it doesn't matter what his nationality is. You know, USA, USA, USA. As a proud leftist progressive, I really try to avoid the stereotype that like we hate America, but. God damn, it's so hard to like get on board with any of these America guys in any of these companies on any of these shows. Like why? Why does it always have to be stupid? Please give me America guy that I that I can actually like instead of these like dipshit chuds that are just there to like be big and beefy and you know probably say some racist shit on the side but have it hand waved away because oh he's just he's just pounding around, brother. Like, I am generally just at an eye roll level with America characters. Jim Duggan, I actively dislike. It's so he's he just looks so unpleasant. He feels so unpleasant. He is unpleasant. Just a big dopey ass idiot. He's only a baby face because he doesn't have like feminine hands or something. I do, that's that's the only reason he's facing this conflict and it's the dumbest conflict what what is this non-conflict and why do we have it on bash at the beach our pay-per-view that has the biggest like moment in the entire history of this goddamn company i wish i could tell you what why they oh thank god that ddp wins because they have some recognition that ddp is it has is a star in the making here so he shouldn't be losing to Jim Duggan. But so why would that did they make him the heel of this match in the first place if they're trying to star him up? Like what? Oh my god, I don't understand. Look, I know it's like a lot later than we usually are with recording these things, so I'm probably just like tired and cranky. But like, dear fucking god, at WCW, you you did like you had some cool stuff. Can you not spend the rest of your time looking like complete dumbasses, please? Yeah, so I don't want to say this is the reason your company fell apart, but Jesus H. Christ, he, there's 
Yeah, it's not, but you know, sometimes it feels like it. Is. It feels indicative of an issue, you know. Yeah. So DDP wins completely clean. By the way, doesn't cheat at all. He wins straight up completely. And how does old Jim Duggan respond by taping up his stupid ass fist and punching and decking DDP in a loss because D because Jim Duggan noted babyface is a sore loser. <laughs> Jim Duggan noted babyface can suck my dick. Noted you again as we I mentioned it before, but it bears repeating that there is that you could that in a comp in a different company you could have some real sly commentary on the fact that the most pro USA character on this show is an idiot and and now is also a sore loser and a mm. cheer but we're not but we're mm. not it's not commentary which is unfortunate because this is the early is. 90s where like one of the that we're like this is one of those eras we're making that specific like uh, uh observation would be especially pertinent this is pre not this is like post gulf war pre 9 11 you yeah. probably could have gotten away with it yeah that wasn't what wcw was doing God, dude, dude, people were people were like fired up for Murica post post Gulf War. Like people people were not happy if you said anti Murica things post Gulf War. So like, honestly, whether or not they could have gotten away with it, I feel like is questionable. But it would have been a great time to make that point. But that wasn't a point they were making. It's only something you notice later. But anyway, Duggan. When is the hat is the one standing tall, but doesn't matter. It's over. It's done with. Goodbye. So the nasty boys beat public enemy. We didn't watch, but in Thank case God. You care, in case you cared about that, uh, Dean Malenko. We got Dean. We got Dean Malenko and Disco Inferno for the cruiserweight title. This was like the most fine match there mm-hmm. in that like. It was happening. My eyes registered that it was happening. I did not retain a single goddamn thing. See, my feeling about that's for the next one. It's the, that for me. But um, yeah, I thought it was good. Uh, it was. It, it was, was good. Weird. It, it was, was good. Yeah, it was. It was all about basically like Disco Inferno. It was all about making Disco Inferno look like a really tough, resilient wrestler in a way that he hasn't looked in his entire career because he's goofy disco dance guy mm-hmm. but like malenko's having absolutely none of this stupid bullshit <laughs> he's just gonna kick this guy's ass honestly i'm kind of pulling for disco inferno he seems fun and malenko is, seems like a dick he is kind of a dick if you th- like he's the I- ice man like stone-faced guy is kind of a dick yes mm-hmm. but he 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 uh malenko does get the w Weirdly enough, weirdly they don't really play into Disco Inferno's habit to dance in the middle of his matches and cost himself wins. Like he try, he starts doing it, and then he self realizes what he's doing and 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 stops. Did this but, like mark any sort of like significant turnaround for his character? No, I'm pretty sure he's gonna go back to doing it next next week. Oh well, then why? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but. He does get the win in a resilient and a great effort. And la-di-da-di-da, Dean Malenko is still the cruiserweight champion. 
Hoorah. Then we all we got old uh, Steve Mongo McMichael with Deborah with his wife Deborah here defeating Desperado Joe Gomez. I will say, like, I only retain stuff from this one just because, like, the setup's so fucking weird. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a uh, as as we mentioned before, as we mentioned on the show, is we have is is it was is is that we is the, the vaguely tan, vaguely muscular guy with long with long hair and black tights beat the vaguely tan, vaguely muscular guy with long, long hair, hair and, and black black tights. tights. Yeah, they looked extremely similar. <laughs> Damn, I really face. have a discussion with whoever is doing costume design, like. Sure, they probably were going all in on on designing the outsider costumes, but like, come on, guys, put a little more thought into it. Jesus, even they didn't care about Mongo McMichael they versus really Joe Gomez. Like, the match is clunky, and nobody botches that badly. But it's like, it's between two guys who aren't that good at wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> and have a match. It's so, it's yeah. yeah. It's deeply unremarkable, but I, I, I will say I retain stuff from this, like not in a technical sense, but just in a sense of like how generic it was just made it stand out almost like a parody. It almost feels like a parody of again, just vaguely muscular tan dude with long hair and black going at each other. (laughs) It's so stupid. Um, but yeah, it was it was all right, uh, you know, whatever. Um, all the matches on this show were like longer, which I get for a pay per view. But like, man, that really made some of them suffer. Yeah, some of these did not need to be long. Uh, then two matches we skipped. Uh, Ric Flair beat Conan for the U.S. title. Really? Some cheating shenanigans. Oh no! As you'd expect, but but yes, Ric Flair is now the U.S. champion. Or Conan. And then the Giant and the Taskmaster beat Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit in the same Good. name. So Good on now, multiple levels. Now to make sure we ended this on a positive note, let's cycle on back to the opening match. Rey Mysterio versus Psychosis. Daddy! I love Rey Mysterio so much. Oh my god, this was such a good match. He was only 21 years old in this match, and dear lord, what a fucking dynamo for his age. Oh my god, he's amazing. Yeah, he, yeah this, this is uh, Rey Mysterio in his finest form. I, I, dude, Rey Mysterio at any point is Rey Mysterio in his finest form. Goddamn fight me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care how old. That man could be 80 years old and still pulling off 619s like they're nothing. I don't care. Um... Mm-hmm. Oh my god! No, but no. In all seriousness, oh my god! The athletic prowess he showed off in this was was to was to die for. I never seen the psychosis dude before, but I guess he and Ray had this like really intense, um, um, this really intense rivalry going, and they played that well. Like they just laid into each other, and it was super cool because the crowd was clearly like obviously new to all of this. They had their like experienced cultural commentator on just to like explain all these like foreign concepts like hurricane ranas to people whatever the Um, hell that is yes they bring in mike tenay who made his name in wrestling uh, initially as being this guy 
who knows all who knows all of the inter- stuff about international wrestling that absolutely mm-hmm. no one else in WCW had any goddamn clue about. Yep. So he he was there to sound make them sound smart and educate the audience about like pretty much what these guys are doing. Yeah. But and that does involve him being like that's a hurricane rana or that is a move called a senton and it's like that's very funny because in twenty twenty one in twenty twenty one those are relatively common moves that most fans know that pretty much any fan knows what that is. But what's cool about that for me is like the crowd is unfamiliar with these guys, these moves, you know, a lot of what's going on here, and they eat it the hell up. They're super into it. Um I mean, there. It's clearly, obviously, not like Ray and Psychosis are like as over with the crowd as you know a lot of the other people are. But like, just by virtue of how good the match is, you can tell people are into it, which is really yeah, the cool. Crowd, really. The crowd gets into it by the end. And yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, just like, they're such good athletes that the crowd can't help but get excited for this for this by the end. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they do do some insane shit. Um, oh my god! Some hi- highlights include like Psychosis is a suicide dive. <laughs> to the outside and like spikes his own head on the, yep. on the guardrails. God. Um, um he's just got, casually flipping half the time. He is. He, he's like just doing backflips and, and cartwheels. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he does the move where he does a cartwheel and then he like lands back. He's back to psychosis, then jumps backwards up onto psychosis's shoulders to do a hurricane Rana move. Oh my god! And I, I was forgot like, "What about the?" That. And I was like, "What the fuck?" I forgot about that. And it was all one fluid motion. It yeah the the fluidity with which he moves in this is it's like like Ray just transitions from move to move like it's nothing. Um, he is such a natural. That's I mean that's always true of him, but dear lord, he he makes all of this stuff look so easy because there is a fluidity to him. Not nothing. He does in ring is choppy. Uh, it's not particularly true to dates. It really wasn't true when he was 21 years old in WCW. Um, yeah. And yeah. then he had, he hurt Ray Mysterio does the hurricane Rana to psychosis on the he, apron yeah, he, outside of the ring. Outside of the ring. That was one of the big ones. I, I remember was, was that was, yeah, he, he hits hurricane Rana to the outside of the ring um doesn't end up spiking his head but um but Psych- really- psychosis comes this close to hitting his head on the apron as he's coming yeah. down oh my god psychosis gets ra- gets gets rammed into like one of the side poles of the ring gets rammed into the gates uh between yeah, he- him and the crowd a couple yeah, times yeah there is this there is a move where like ray sends him typling into the pole because they have the pole for the pole match already set up <laughs> So like psychosis goes face first in this giant thing mm-hmm. at one point. Oh my and god. It ends when psychosis is going for this absolutely insane gnarly looking move that I couldn't describe to you in any way. But it is so nuts that Mike Tanay is trying to explain what this move is. And it doesn't matter because Ray counters the move and he, and like and he ends up and he pins psychosis off of the counter. And that's how he wins the match. Dude, okay. Ray, I think one of, like, we, we talk a lot about, like, what a great flyer Ray is. I think he goes underappreciated how good of a tumbler Ray Mysterio is. Which, again, his smallness helps with. Um, but I love when he does the thing where he, like, 
is pinning someone with like uh him kind of sitting up their back is on the ground their feet are up near i love when he attempts pins like that it's such a cool visual um and here he kind of does a mid-air version of that where he just kind of like is able to get some momentum advantage on uh on psychosis and roll him over just a little bit extra um and just uh turn the move into his own and just get him flat on his back and he's down and out oh yep. my god he gets the win. They play this like ridiculous stock music. That's I'm still speed. I'm still very terrible at like d- describing in evocative detail wrestling moves, but it's it's just the reversal is is something to behold, and it feels again so natural for me. It feels it feels like an inevitable conclusion if you get Rey Mysterio mm-hmm. in that point. Just the way he moves, it feels like oh, of course it had to be like that. There was no way Psychosis could have effectively landed that on him unless Rey was just falling asleep in the middle of the goddamn match. Yeah. That, oh, so that was God. a very that was a very fun match. Very exciting. It was a great starting point. Um, mm. Rain Rain Psychosis fought valiantly, and it was it was exhilarating. Mm. Oh my God, I loved everything about that match. Um, and it just reminded me why the hell Rain Mysterio was one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, if not my absolute favorite, because. Mm even as a young boy. And there's just so many things. I love how vocal he is in ring. He yells so hard. And I, I just love this. This is before his time of like hopping off the top rope and like air bombing lately, like, like, like just pulling all of his limbs in and just kind of like air bombing you. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's so cool to see like where he started from. <laughs> Rey Mysterio is a, is a weirdly consistent through line for a lot of the stuff we've <laughs> Yeah, in this yeah. on this show, which I appreciate. Oh yeah, um, more Ray all the time. Um, this is now the Ray Mysterio show. Sorry. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> look. Um, uh, but yeah, great, great match and a great way to start off. And I will take that as like the other bookend to to the NWO officially coming together any day of the week. Yeah, this show uh starts and ends incredibly and the rest mm-hmm. is whatever. It's whatever. Uh whatever, who need who cares? No one cares about anything else that ever happens on this show anyway. Yeah, I mean when you have Hulk Hogan being the third man, that's kind of worth the price of admission alone as much as I hate to say it. Like, yeah, yeah. you you have to cop to that. Like even if the rest of the pay-per-view is shit just for that moment it's worth every penny, I imagine. Yep. And that was that, that was the moment 25 years ago this year. 25 wow. years ago, a couple of months ago. Wow. That's mm. so crazy. Yep. And there's plenty of time to talk about everything that ever went wrong with the NWO. And there's oh, a we'll long get list there. of that. But right now, what a hell of a story. A hell of a story is right. The they 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 took a cultural consciousness and paid it off in a brilliantly subversive way. And despite every fault of WCW as a company, I will always, always, always give them credit for what is simply one of the most earth-shattering, mind-blowingly cool moments in the entirety of pro wrestling history. Mm-hmm. And this this was it that that changed the course of the Monday Night War, so to speak. Mm. If you look at before 
the before the New World Order. It was very back and forth between the two. And I'm pulling it up right now. But yeah. June, June 17th, 1996 was the thing was the first was the beginning of the 83 weeks of consecutive weeks where WCW beat WWF every single time. And like you look and the NWO angle and the, all of it was, was the moment that pushed WCW to the top <laughs> of the, of the, like, that was the, that was it. And that is what sustained them for almost two years <laughs> as the top dog in the in in the wrestling world. Yeah, that's and that's that's fair. I mean, NWO from everything I've heard kind of got ran into the ground. But can you blame them for for what it brought to them? Yeah, I. You can absolutely get why they were like, "We're just gonna keep running this train back." Yep, uh, they—it's uh, one of those things. They set a dangerous precedent for themselves in some ways, but but in that initial moment, you—you've made history. Congratulations, WCW! Mm-hmm. In about five minutes of television, you shot yourself up there with the with the greats, and that's that is something to be endlessly commended. Yep. But for now, that is but and we'll have plenty of time to talk about everything that went wrong, but for now, mm-hmm. well, let's move on to next time. And next time on this show, we return to NXT 2015 yes. as the Four Horsewomen era continues this time to NXT take over Rival. In what is, I'm very excited to revisit the match that we are building to on that one. I'll say it like that. Oh, Otherwise, I can't okay. really, say, can't really say much more from okay because of the way I'm that's excited though. Especially really now that I'm going to see two of the horsewomen live. God, yeah. it's going to be Sasha. so cool to like see them back on screen after I've seen what they're like in person. That was exhilarating, and I'm sure it'll be just as cool to go back to their origin story. God, I love NXT. God, I love NXT. Yeah. So, Hmm. with that in mind, then, David, go ahead and hit our plugs. Yes, sir. All righty. Friends, Romans, wrestling fans, Lehman, lend me your ears for I wish to plug. Uh, Thank you so much for joining. (laughs) Fuck you. That was good. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me once again, joining us once again on the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. If you're a returning listener, watcher, what have you, thank you so, so much for your continued patronage. We are so happy that you continue to let us into your eardrums week after week after week. If you are a first time joiner of us, Thank you so much. We we here at the Noobs and Knockouts podcast like to think that we cater to both noobs and knockouts alike. So whatever your wrestling fandom experience may be, we hope you feel welcome and uh, and and accessible here. I think that's the correct. Anyway, uh, uh, if you would like to continue to keep joining us and you're not entirely sure how to do so, not to worry, my friends. I have you covered. First of all, 
you can subscribe to us on YouTube. We are the Noobs and Knockouts Podcast. Hit subscribe, ring that bell, make sure it turns a nice, solid little color so you get notifications every time we drop a new episode. <laughs> Check out our playlist. Austin is kind enough to uh, to organize every arc we follow into distinct little playlists. So if you wanna uh, if you wanna follow along with specific storylines, you can check all of that out in a very organized fashion. It's awesome. Give us likes. Give us comments. Give add us to your playlist. All that good stuff. We just love to have that sweet, sweet engagement. You can also find us on three of the best places to find your podcast if you want an auditory only experience. If you're if you don't feel like looking at our fine, sexy, beautiful faces for the day, that's just fine. We won't fault you for it. You can find us on Spotify, on Apple, on Google. Give us ratings. Give us downloads. All that good stuff. And tell the algorithm, hey. These guys are pretty cool, and they should continue to be cool, and, and more people should know that they're pretty cool. You know, it's pretty cool. Um, so, oh, hello. Uh, so just check us out in all those places. We would love to have your patronage wherever you decide to give it to us. Uh, we also have plenty of social media to go around. Our big one, we are on Twitter. We are at Noobs and Knox Pod on Twitter. That's Noobs, the letter N, Knox Pod on Twitter. We post up memes we interact with the wrestling fandom on uh, on a whole uh we we tweet our own observations about what's going on in in the worldwide world of wrestling um we uh we 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 just love to we love to engage with all that good stuff our big highlight of the twitter of course is austin lies tweets his wrestling viewing experiences my friend what is on the docket coming up yes of course uh as always every single week uh wednesday nights on tnt all Elite Wrestling Dynamite from 8, eight o'clock. Uh, live tweeting that every single week is it is the most is the show that I most consistently watch live, and so why not make some content out of it? Mm. In addition, uh, as a follower of AEW and WWE and Impact Wrestling, be live tweeting their pay per views. And in fact, the day this episode drops will be, hopefully, will be all out 2021 for AEW. Normally, I would run down the card, but we're recording this really late, so I'm not doing that. Uh, we'll say that it is live pay-per-view event. It is a $50 pay-per-view. You can get it from traditional pay-per-views, Bleacher Report, or Fight TV. That's a lot. I accept that. But I will say money always well spent, at least in my opinion. Uh, upcoming for that for WWE is WWE Extreme Rules. There will probably be Extreme Rules matches. Other than that, don't know. It's September 26th. Uh, that will be live on the Peacock app. So that Peacock TV thing, that uh, that plug I gave for them earlier. You know, fuck Peacock, but fuck you know it's, Peacock. The only, it's the only way to watch it live. What do you want me to say? Thanks, U.S. D distribution contracts. Mm. That's where you're going to find WWE Extreme Rules, if that is what you are into. Then for Impact, we have Bound for Glory 2021. They're one of their biggest shows of the year, October 23rd. Uh, of course, too early for there to be any real matches announced so far. Uh, it, it will be it will be forty dollars on Fight TV and traditional pay per view. Um, again, bit of a steep asking price. I accept that, but I have always felt Impact's pay per views are worth the money. So, if any of that interests you, please feel free to uh, look into those shows and see if you want to check it out. Absolutely. 
Uh, so be sure to follow along with Austin on all of that. Whatever you decide to watch, uh, his live tweeting is good shit TM. I hugely, hugely, hugely recommend checking it out. It's awesome. You can also find us on Gmail. We have a Gmail account. Isn't that nice? Uh, you can you can email us uh, at noobsandknockoutspod at gmail.com. That's noobs, the word, and this time, knockoutspod at gmail.com. Uh, just say hi. Tell us what you like about the show. We don't like about the show. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, how wonderful and beauty, beautiful and, and sexy the dulcet tones of our voices are. Uh, you know things you want to see us do on the show, anything of that sort. Just, just say hi. We love people saying hi. We love, we love to say hi back. It's just cool to hear from people. So hit us up there. And finally, you can find us on Patreon. We are also the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on Patreon. One dollar a month gets you early access to episodes and a shout out at the end of each episode. See you guys next time. Hasta luego.